When people think of the future, when people think of the future, they think technology. Tech, tech, tech. Take a drive through town. What do you see? You don't see tech, do you? This is the On Grade Podcast. This show is about construction and the people who make it happen. Whether you want to start your own business, grow your business, or learn more about construction, we'll have on the pros. From business owners to industry leaders, you'll hear about new equipment, building a company, and growing your business, and how the construction industry is changing. Let's do it. This is the On Grade Podcast. Now, here are your hosts, Brandon Weinline and Devin Boudreaux. Hey everybody, welcome to On Grade. This is episode 14. I got my host, co-host in the shop, Devin Boudreaux. What's going on, guys? And we have a special guest today, uh, Joseph Villarell from South Texas. What exact town? Uh, you told me once, but I just brain farted it. What was the name of the town? I'm fr- from Harlingen, Texas, but we're operating out of San Antonio. You're in San Antonio. Yeah, San Antonio, Central Texas. So I apologize, everybody. Oh, San Antonio is an amazing place. I didn't mean any disrespect. <laughs> <laughs> so uh joe tell us about, do you go by joe or joseph joe's good that's right. my, yeah everybody calls me joe out in the field on the job so i've been joe yeah. for 10 15 years now well joe go uh, ahead and uh tell us a little bit about yourself brother well so came to san antonio um went to utsa didn't know what i wanted to do um originally i wanted to sell cars my dad's a, a car dealer down in uh, harlingen where i was raised and so kind of grew up. I've always been a nuts and bolts guy. Um, always been into tractors, into trucks, you know, anything diesel. And um, came up to San Antonio. Obviously, it's a whole nine-day difference from gro- going to a big city from from South Texas. But um, kind of fell in love with the construction industry, what was going on in San Antonio with as much building they were doing in the, you know, 2009, 2010 time frame. And... Um, Got a construction management degree, uh, went right to work for a GC, uh, worked with this GC for about 10 years, powerhouse GC out of San Antonio, very well respected. Um, and I learned a lot. I learned a lot about all the different trades, running work, being in different environments, you know, talking with owners and uh, just working through issues and, and learning to become a problem solver um, through all, you know, everything we dealt with in, in, on these jobs. And so... Um, I've always had an interest in earthwork. It was always, I was always kind of like the civil guy. If a civil contractor on one of our sites called and needed, you know, a grade shot or had questions on something, I was, you know, I'd run out of the building to go and do it. And, um, so being, being in that environment, I've always had an interest in, in civil construction, heavy equipment, grading, and in the tech involved with that. And so, um, I left my superintendent job, uh, bought a skid steer and a mulching head and went land clearing out in the hill country, um, which was a total blast. It was, it was very hard. Uh, it was a <laughs> very hard work, uh, dragging a gooseneck and a skid steer around every day all over the world. Um, learned a lot of lessons. Um, 
and uh, and found my way getting back into commercial construction just through some friends and contacts that I had um, at my time as a superintendent. And so, you know, it'd be, hey, we need a, a swell cut in or a detention pond built or some smaller site projects that, you know, skid steer work and things like that that turned into small dozer work, blade work, excavate, you know, eventually some bigger pads and parking lots. And now I'd say we're a, a full service site contractor. Nice. That's awesome, man. That's cool. So what's the name of your actual company? But? It's Villarreal Civil Group. Villarreal Civil Out of San Antonio. Okay. How many machines are you guys up to now? Uh, we have 17. Yeah. 17. You mean about the same size, it sounds like. Yeah. So we're um, running about, we have about 17 machines in the fleet, pushing seven to 10 guys, spending, we, we have, we have some part-time guys that come and operate for us and things as we, as we need. Um, but uh, we're just, we're scaling up. We're taking on quite a bit of work. And so it's been a, it's been a roller coaster, but it's been fun. Yeah. That's awesome, man. How's the market been down there? Market? I mean, it's, it's unpredictable. You know, some days we're hot, you know, we're, we're winning in the bid room other days, you know, we get it, you, you don't. And so, um, that's been the hardest transition for me being a field guy on the GC side is how am I going to become a civil estimator and how am I going to compete with, with other, con other civil contractors that have been doing this every day for 20 years. And so that's been a struggle for me is how, how are we going to accurate accurately estimate these projects how are we going to get our takeoffs we had no processes in place and so now that we're getting a little more established we're able to invest in some estimating invest in some some management and start to develop some systems to take off and and provide accurate timely estimates for our customers and so with a you know quote unquote slowdown that you know everybody's been talking about that we haven't really seen it's um it's we need to be how do we provide a, a good estimate that's competitive but then also provide the value in the field to back that up so if there is a if it is close our customers know that we have it we have it handled right and that we can produce and that we can get out and execute properly on what we proposed on so are you running ag tech or what softwares are you getting right from? now we're, we're subbing out all of our takeoffs and modeling. okay so, so using a third party yes and we have all of our we're using we're on topcon Yep. So we're a top con. We have it on our blade and our dozer. Mm -hmm. And so our relationship with RDO, they have a modeling department that um, has been building all of our models for us. Okay. So it's been a fantastic relationship and um, everything's been working out great. So how long ago did you switch from primarily doing private work into commercial? About a year and a half ago. Okay. So you're kind of fresh to it then. Yes. I mean, I know you... Yeah. GC side well, well I've, been, I've been in business for two and a half years. So it's right. been... And that's a year that was clearing lots yeah <laughs> that's you ramped up hard and fast yeah yeah like we were talking about the last couple episodes you know and you're probably gonna laugh when i say this because you'll probably agree with the two of us the best money you ever made though was when you're doing the private work wasn't it relatively yeah, yeah I mean, it, it is your margins it, were better well right? it's it all comes it all comes home yeah and you it's know, economy of scale like he talked of about you know you're you're you got a gooseneck trailer or a truck and you yeah and so you know, you can put a 30% markup on that and you're making darn good money because right. after you pay for everything, it's, it's yours. So, right. you know, economy of scale is huge. You go yeah. from one guy and one machine to 17 in two years, man, that's, that's incredible. Right. And it, it, I mean, it, it never ends. It never ends. Oh, you know, yeah. you can't take a day off. No. You can't. You're feeding a monster, man. It, exactly. And so, um, 
that's been tricky. It's been tricky because, you know, a year ago we'd go clear two or three or four lots a week and, you know, you, you can go home on the weekend and wash your machine and not worry about what's going on. But now, you know, we have, we're bidding every day. Mm-hmm. We're in the field every day. We're surveying every day. You know, we're mobilizing and moving equipment. And so it's, it never ends. And you guys, you know that. Oh yeah. So have you, have you gotten to the point yet where you're getting, are you running jobs still and estimating at the same time? Or do you finally got some field management for you? I have, I, we are making that transition right now. I mean, I've, I've been out of the field, I'd say about a month and a half. Okay. Um, I still, I mean, I still, I find myself there every day. Just, I love field work. Oh yeah. I love the field work. (laughs) Um, It's what we enjoy doing. Of course. That's why, that's what we got there. And so, um, I have, I have some very competent foremen. Uh, we have some really great guys. We have young guys. Uh, they're very talented. Um, we can get into that. That's um, the younger generation. As much as everybody dogs them, they're really badass operators. Yeah, they're they're very talented. They, they pick, pick it up quicker, and they pick it up quicker. They pick it up quick, and you know we have a twenty five year old blade man that can finish just as good as anybody else. You know. Hey guys, I hope you're enjoying the episode, but I'd like to take a minute of your time to talk to you about today's sponsor. Are you a GIS professional, land surveyor, or construction professional looking for the best in surveying equipment, software, and service? Look no further than AGS Inc. AGS Inc. is an authorized dealer for Topcon and Sokia Surveying Equipment Dealer and EOS Aero Mapping Products Dealer. With a supply store in Grapevine, Texas to serve the DFW Metroplex, Central Texas presence, and a corporate headquarters in Houston, Texas, AGS has you covered. Stop by and experience the AGS Inc. difference today. At AGS, it is a service after the sale that counts. AGS is the proud sponsor of the On Grade podcast. On Grade podcast listeners, give these guys a call if you want to talk about bringing precision surveying, layout drones, GPS, GIS, or 3D scanning spatial technologies to your company. Thank you. And have a great evening. Back to the episode. You're listening to the On Grade Podcast. Construction. Construction. It's what we do. Now, back to Brandon and Devin. We got a good mix on our crew. Um, I think Devin and me were talking about it. You know, I got... Some guys that I got a hoe hand that's like I think he's twenty one, mm-hmm. and my blade hand's fifty, you know. But my blade hand I've known for twenty years, of course, and that's why it works for me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. But I mean, I've had young guys run blades for me, mm-hmm. and they did just fine. The thing is that they didn't. The the thing that you get with experience though is you don't have to go out there and double check it. Right. You know, if they leave that site, it's on grade. So what I've noticed with the with the new guys coming in, because we're hiring kids right out of college, right, right out of college, we're we're teaching them, we're teaching them the basics, you know, how to move dirt, how how to finish, how's this supposed to look, you know, what are we looking for? If it's is it too wet, too dry? I mean, different, all the basics. We're we're breaking it down to the basics, and the biggest the biggest rub I have with the younger guys is that. You can't, they, they know how to operate the machines. They hop in them that within a day they're, they're moving dirt, mixing base, doing everything that they're supposed to do. But the problem that we have is that 
we struggle with having the experience of actually how to move dirt, your big cuts and fills. How are we going to get across the site properly? Where are we going to set up our stockpiles? Where are we going to set up our haul, haul in, haul out? You know, what, what equipment for what job? That's all experience. It's and, just and, time, and right? That's where you have to have a mix of you got to bring in some gray hair with some experience to, to coach these guys up on, not on, not so much on, Hey, this is how you stop a dozer or how you hit the automatics, <laughs> but Hey, you've got this window over here that we're, that shouldn't be here. There's a, there's an old adage in the dirt Bible that nobody talks about the dirt Bible anymore, but it's a dirt Bible. It's a real thing. And, uh, you hear the old guys talk about it. They call it the dirt Bible, but you always think three steps ahead in dirt work. So if you're out moisture condition, I know you guys don't do it as much there because you got a lot of rock. not like y'all do. Yeah, like but do. yeah, I worked in Austin a couple times, and it was cool because we worked with Ranger, and Ranger specializes in they have two divisions in their company. I think I was telling you about this. Literally, if you're on this side of 35, you do moisture conditioning, right. and those guys only do that. And then they got a rock side that literally goes up in the hills. It right. works in like Cave Creek, you know, B Cave, all that area. All they do is mine rock. That's all they do. They got 11s and rippers and surface miners and iron rolls. And so a lot of times if they got to cross them, the guys don't really know that stuff. So it's they they really specifically try to keep their guys sticking to one side or the other. And we kind of run into that here because we're doing a job right now in rock in Dallas. And some of our guys had never been around rock work before. So we're having to train them on, hey – when you're dealing with the kind of rock we're dealing with, we're dealing with some called garland shale. I don't yeah. know if you guys heard of it. It's the same stuff that comes up from Austin, but right, um, it's a hundred blows for three quarters of an inch. Yeah, you you want to talk about some serious rock, dude? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, we got a fifteen ton hammer with a three forty nine on it right now, and it's yeah, and you got a rock bucket behind it trying to scrape what you can. And we got to go down four foot in this crap. Yeah, so I mean. Um, it, 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 you, you gotta, you gotta find guys that have experience in all that because you can have a guy that's done moisture condition for 20 years and you throw him in a rock job and it's like deer in the headlights. Like, right. Oh, <laughs> what am I supposed to do? You right. know? Right. So, so what, um, you were saying you got, you got some, do you do the estimates yourself or do you have an estimator? I have been doing them myself. Wow. And it's been, you can ask some of my GCs the, as we've progressed, I mean, my first, when I first got into this and first, you know, commercial parking lots and things like that, I'd go bid a job and I'm looking at it. I was like, okay, well this is a 20,000 square foot parking lot. Okay. It sounds like we're going to need a D eight, a three forty nine oh for a month, six guys, trucks, tra- you know, everything. And then, you know, you turn in your estimate and you're like, Hey guys, you're three X you're way off. Yeah. <laughs> and I'd be like, Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm trying, right, <laughs> we're exactly. trying to figure this out. And so we've, we've gotten, we've gotten a lot of help yeah. and, and we've really dialed in our estimating process now. Yeah. Um, I sub out my takeoffs on the big mass cuts and fills and mm-hmm. things like that, just cause I've, I'm not going to sit there and scale that. But, um, we're getting to a point now where we can dial in a very accurate, very precise estimate. Have you learned your we're, trucking yard yet? Yes. <laughs> yeah, you learned that the hard way. Yeah, you learned that. Yeah. I've, I've been lucky. I, and I, you know, knock on wood, I learned that lesson a long time ago. Yeah. So I was able to carry that with me, but yeah. I've seen a lot of, I've seen a lot of guys in, in a lot of pain when it comes to trucking. It, and it's oh, sad, yeah. man, because unfortunately the, this is the stuff we talked about last week. When you put an estimate out, dude, put your damn quantities on your proposal. Yeah. 
because at least if you make them put it in the contract and God forbid you got to overrun that quantity, you can at least turn in what you've hauled and go, Hey man, but this is what the key of doing a topo before you start the job, right? You get a surveyor, go out and topo the job. But I mean, that's stuff you have to learn. That's not just taught, you know? And right. I don't even understand why in, you know, I got a buddy of mine that got a construction science degree. I'm sure you two can attest to this. I don't have that. I'm in, I'm actually going for civil engineering right now. But what I don't understand is how in construction science they don't teach y'all at least the basics of every trade. Like, I hear they kind of do. They kind of go through the gist of it. But, like, how come they don't at least teach you that? You know, like, hey, this is bank yards. This is cubic yards. This right. is, you know, square yards. This is trucking yards. But nobody nobody teaches that. I'll, I'll say we had we had some really good professors yeah. that were that came from the actual contracting side. So yeah. I I was very fortunate that we had a lot of hands on, a lot of field. Like it was actually a lot of people in our class went the field route. You know, you hear now that everybody wants to get a construction management degree and they want to be a project manager for day one. Mm-hmm. We were actually lucky that a lot of the guys that came out of my class and, and around that age group that we went to be superintendents and we were proud of it because yeah. it was it was um, we wanted to work with it. We wanted to work in the field. We wanted to build things. And um, and then being able to take that experience to now. Now I'm stuck in an office, you know, with with. 15 jobs to bid and i'm like okay well you know now it's now i'm paying for that welcome all the fun be, i had in the field welcome to becoming an owner my oh, friend yeah, yeah. The, it only, is. the only time you see the job sites when there's a problem most of the time now. right right it, it's it's unfortunate um i got to go out to the job today and i think i told you i was so excited about it it was like the first time i've been to a job in like a month so because we're shorthanded right now i'm uh training up our new project manager so mm-hmm. it's it's you know, I thank God I got Pete, you know, Pete handles all the estimates and stuff and getting the contracts in. But, um, it's just, it sucks, man. Especially once you've grown to the size I've grown where you don't have the PM anymore. You know, you're only on two or three jobs at once. Not a big deal, but you got 10 going. You're wanting to rip your hair out. It's like, dude, I have a project manager for this. Like that's his job in life is just to make sure this is all. Right. Right. And so I got these PMs hitting me up from the GCs like, hey, man, can you give me this change order? Hey, man, can you send your billing? Hey, man, I need your retainage, you know? Yeah. And it's like, hey, guys, I need five minutes, you know? And I think something I've learned now that I've grown to the size I have is, and you will too, and me and Devin talk about it, you got to learn eventually to shut it off, though. You're Like you talked about, you know, you're working every day. You can't do that, man. You can't do that forever. Right. Do it for about another six, seven months. Once you got the capital to do it, get you an estimator and get you a project manager. I promise you something. Your headaches are going to go. You're going to have headaches still, mm-hmm. but not as many as you're having right now. You're not going to be sitting there going, oh, I want to go have a beer so bad right now. Right. <laughs> but I got to finish this <laughs> estimate and it's 10 o'clock at night and I got to get back up at five and go check the job. It's all good. I left the shop at 430 this morning. So Yeah, he tells me about the – you did – can I tell you a story yeah, about yeah, you falling asleep? Yeah. <laughs> so he calls me, what was it, two or three days ago? Last week sometime. Yeah, he calls me like two or three days ago. I was like, what's up, bro? He's like, hey, dude, uh, can you send me your your uh, your bill? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'll get you that bill. He goes, yeah, okay. Well, you never guess what I did last night. I'm like, what? He's like, I, was, I had to get this proposal back, and uh, I was typing it up, and I fell asleep on my computer. And I said, you fell asleep on your computer? He said, yeah, and I... It was like midnight, and I woke up, and it was 4.30 in the morning. 
Sitting at your desk, hand on the mouse, whole arms asleep, wake up, don't know what's going on. Wipe, wipe the shit out of your eyes and then realize, oh, crap, I still got to get this done. Look down. Another hour out, go have look, a nap and go to work. Look so. down, you got drool on your fucking plans. <laughs> right. a big no, and, and I think like exactly what y'all said, we've all been there. Yeah. We've, we've done the late night estimate. We've done the late night payout. We've done that. But at the same time, too, I think that's why there's there. I think that attributes to so many issues in the industry. Mm -hmm. I mean, same thing. I go on a job and a PM looks like he's on his third cup of coffee and, you know, but it's, it gets to a point where we almost have to like slow down, mm -hmm. prioritize and execute and say, Hey, I've got like, for me, I've got five things to do today, six things to do today. I'm going to knock those out. And I'm going to go home. And, I do. and I mean, that's, that's all we can do. You know, you can't, I can't, I can't pump out 15 bids in one night. No. And and if they are, they're going to be shit. And you're not, and you're going to regret it because you're going to get a word that job. And in the back of your mind, you're going to go, what I did I miss? What did I miss? That's it's why not, I, yes. oh, I'm sorry to interrupt. No, it, no. It's not a matter of if I missed, what did I miss? Right. You know? Right. And so it's, I think that's why it's important for us. Um, and you know, and y'all through the show and everything is, Hey, it doesn't have to be like that. Like, you know, we can, if we're promoting to the next generation of construction guys, Hey, y'all are going to work till midnight every day and you're not going to get paid and you're going to eat shit for five, 10 years. They're not going to come, you know, they're, they're not going to come. And so it's, it's important that like, we have to, obviously we have to get all this work done, but how can we do it in the fastest, most efficient way? It's not going to burn ourselves. I think that's where ground. technology and software comes in. Like right. programs like ag tech doing, I'm doing the same thing you do. I sub up my takeoffs, yeah. right? It just cuts down the amount of time that you got to put into doing something. So 100%. you find a great estimator, you start subbing your, subbing it out to him. Even when you're starting out, you can do that. Like it's not that expensive that you got to, you know, you can't do it. Even in the beginning, you find somebody to do your takeoffs start getting that done it just cuts it gives you back time that you can put to other things that's, or, and or that's to sleep the that, well that's that's where the value is yep. you know we can't be effective as owners if you know we get two hours of sleep and we're eating shit and you know and just not doing what we're supposed to be done i mean we subbed out we're still a small we're still a small company but we're subbing out all our accounting we're subbing out all our bookkeeping we're subbing out our takeoffs and um I mean, project management and administrative tasks that way, we're subbing that out just yep. because it's like, I could try to do this or I can have my wife help me with this, but then I'm putting, I'm putting unnecessary stress on her. I'm getting overloaded with, with administrative and, and those tasks. Then I don't, and then I'm, I'm relying a hundred percent on my guys in the field, which I trust. But then it's like, if it, if everything falls off the rails and we're all screwed. Yeah, and it's still, loses. it's still not the same. And right. that's where like prioritizing, spend your time doing the things that you need to be doing and everything else that you can sub out to somebody else or have somebody else do is what you need to start looking at finding ways to creatively do that. Because right. at the end of the day, your time is best spent being on the job, looking at what's going on, dealing with the customers, yeah. dealing with problems. That's what your time needs to be prioritized right. at doing. And it's finding a way when you're starting and growing to do that, to literally just give yourself back more time. That's, that's huge. Right. That's something that everyone needs to learn to do sooner rather than later. You know, we all feel when we start, we got to do everything. Right. And in the beginning, you know, you do wear 10 hats and make it work, but there comes a time where you have to start letting go of things and start right. prioritizing and, and, and delegating, you know, that's, that's right. what it is. Well, and it's a, it's a balance too. It's a, it's a balance. And, but it's, 
it's how do we we have to be as effective as possible um you know as owners and and then pass that on to our team too if we, if we roll into the job and haven't gotten any sleep and you know start popping off at all our guys i mean we're we're lowering the morale of the team which in, in that case you know what if they set their set the blade to the wrong grade what if what if we <laughs> you know oh i missed that you know or i'm pissed off at joe because he came and yelled at us this morning because he's pissed off that he was working till midnight doing some bid or something you know it's it's uh it's tough stuff best thing you can do to help yourself out with the field man uh, just recommendation um it's a software we run and it's not going to cost you nothing it's called rockin okay r-a-k-e-n and you guys listening rockin you know what i'm saying free month right yeah uh <laughs> <laughs> not an ad <laughs> but uh as you can see this is all our jobs that we're doing right now okay so our guys put up field reports it's like it's like running a heavy job, but it's just it's a cheaper version of it. Um, we're gonna eventually switch over to heavy job and heavy bid, where it'll all work together. Right. We're just not justified that point yet. It's forty thousand dollars. Oh yeah. I mean, it's an amazing software. I ran it when I was a superintendent, many civil companies, but mm. getting just that, believe it or not, that's how you stay in the loop on what's going on because exactly. you can see the pictures of what's going on in these jobs. And what I do with my guys is I go. And I took this from someone else who listens to the show, and I know they'd call me out on it if I didn't say that they were the <laughs> one that came up with this. But he told them, he said, hey, when you get on that job every morning, I want a picture from every corner of the job, right, you know, starting time. And I want another set at lunchtime when everybody goes to lunch. Before you go to lunch, go take four pictures, all corners, and then at quitting time, do the same thing. You'd be surprised how much crap you'll catch. Right. Like, you'll be like, hmm, they got all that done over there, but they didn't touch anything over here, and this is critical past stuff. Right. And that's when you can get in front of it, because you're like, well, why are you guys doing that work first? Oh, well, the GC said that this needed to be done first. Well, the site superintendent told you to do that? Oh, okay. Well, the project manager is under the impression that this needs to be done first. Right. And that's when this miscommunication crap that happens oh, all yeah. the time Every that day, we know yep. about you can get in front of it, send an email, and then it'll generate you a daily report. You can email it to them and go, hey, guys, just a heads up. Uh, my guys are being told to do this work, and they're not getting this critical path thing that you want done first. So I'm just giving you a heads up. You guys let me know what you want to do. Right. And that way the, the blame's off of you, the liability's off of you, and everybody's going, okay, well, yeah, this guy's honest on his stuff. We're right. solving problems before they become big problems. Right. Right. It is. Right. And, and you know, that's what everybody wants. They want a team player, be a team player. Absolutely. But at the same time, you're also protecting yourself. Right. So, you know, um, the thing that I, the biggest things I can recommend to help you, I've been where you've been, man. Mm. Believe me, I feel for you, brother. I know, <laughs> I know what you're going through. <laughs> I was in the trenches there not too long ago. Um, Best thing I can recommend, like I said, I know you're subbing out PM work, all mm -hmm. that stuff. About six more months of that work you're doing. If you're as long as you're making money, bro, and you can justify it, go get you some help, man. Invest in an ag tech. They'll finance it for you. Um, you live in San Antonio? Mm -hmm. I'm gonna give you a gentleman's phone number from AgTech. He's an amazing guy. His name is Doug Pittman. I'm gonna introduce you to him. I've talked to Doug a few times. Okay. Well, yeah. he knows me very well. Okay. So um he'll help you out for real. They'll do a twelve month deal on it. You you pay, I think it's like two grand a month. You get twenty thousand dollars software after a yeah. year. You own it. And you have to just pay the maintenance fee once a year. I think it's seventeen hundred dollars. 
nothing. We, we have a. Um, we've been using. We we were going back and forth on. Are we going to go? You know, buy an ag tech program, put a guy in the office to do it, and things like that. And when you just when you look at the costs for having for the cost inside versus being able to sub things out, I feel like with what we're doing now and the types of projects that we're on and what we're in our backlog of what we're going into is so much of our work is not mass quantity. I got you. We do we specialize in you know, we're like nasty remodel, oh, yeah. parking lot, complicated, you know, complicated grading. And so the, with what, you know, the work that we do, um, the, so much of that stuff, it's, it's not, it, it doesn't seem, it wasn't feasible. Right. You know, um, we don't do large quantity mass grading and I, and I don't, I don't really, I don't care to, I, and I really like, we really like doing the, the smaller, the cut up, multi-phases, Mobin a hundred times, um, lots of demo, um, site demo, working around utilities, things like that. The stuff that's really complicated and nasty, those are the types of projects that I feel like our guys and us kind of thrive on just because we're able, I feel like we're able to offer a lot of value in that market. But now on the other hand, we've had some stuff that's multi-acre, big cut, big fill, things like that. And, and those, those have been tough. Those are tough jobs. It's a lot of reps. It's a lot of reps. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Big iron and, and big fuel bill and <laughs> all that. Big overhead. Oh yeah. You yeah. mean it yeah. don't run on unicorn piss? Yeah. Yeah. No. And so we have, we've, we've been on those sites too. And, um, you take guys that have been, you know, digging around fibers and hammering concrete and tearing buildings down and building, you know, cutting out basements and things to moving to a mass X type environment. It's, it's totally different for us. You know, right. you guys play in that world. Yeah, and so it's, it's, uh, it's, it's two different sides. So I guess I'm kind of fortunate. My guys are, we call our guys. I don't know if you guys use this term when you're hiring guys, but we try to hire a lot of flex guys. Uh-huh. Um, and growing up, a flex operator was a guy that could pretty much run everything but a blade. That's what we call a flex. Um, up here, at least, that's what we used to call them. I don't know what you guys call them, but we used to call them that. And so a lot of those guys have that experience that you're talking about. They've been on those complicated jobs. Right. But they also have the experience to go into a cut fill job where, or a massive cut fill. Right. And, like, I did a Dutch Brothers coffee last year. I know you're like, what? Yeah, I did. I was also doing a job at the same time, though, where I was moving 60,000 yards. Yeah. <laughs> I, I kind of don't follow a model like a lot of these other big contractors do. You know, I don't consider myself a big contractor. Um, you know, I'm mid-size, but I can compete with the big boys, but I can also go compete with the small guys. Right. And I prefer to do the big work because, honestly, when you're doing the bigger work, you're dealing with, honestly, most of the time, better GCs. Mm-hmm. Um People know what they're talking about. The superintendent on that job's built 20 or 30 of these. You know, he's not building the 7-Eleven and he's like, why? Well, I don't know what the heck you're talking about. These plans are oriented north and he's pointing south with the plans. And you're right. like, oh God, this guy, this guy. <laughs> uh, yeah. Or the project manager's like, what What do you mean that's a grade bust? What's a grade bust? Oh boy. Okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> right. So I've done both sides of it. I prefer the bigger stuff. Um, like you said, though, 
it can bite you in the ass really fast though right. if you don't know what you're doing right. if you don't know how to swell your quantities if you don't know what production you're going to get every day it can really bite you in the right ass. right and yeah and that's why um i think that i what i like about doing the smaller cut up remodel renovation type projects is i just feel like you can make a bigger impact if you're the first one there you're doing all the demo you're coordinating with the gc you're laying out everyone's on you know you're you're part of the initial plan and so I just, I feel like that gives us an opportunity to add value rather than, you know, we try to go, if we, if we're going to try to bid, you know, bid on a ranger job or a mass X job, there's, there's no way we could compete with that. Oh yeah. And, and we don't, and we don't want to, I mean, it, it's just not, it's not feasible for us. Those the, are massive projects. The thing, the thing with dirt work is it's, it's a niche actually. Right. I mean, you and me were talking about this once it, it you find your niche. Yep. Um, and you know, a lot of people go niche. What do you mean? Well, a niche is like what you're doing, mm -hmm. like what Joe's doing, where you're doing, um, you know, a very specific yeah, task doing, in an area. Yeah. You're doing, you know, remodel work. You're doing smaller parking lots. You're doing smaller pads. You got mid-sized guys like me that do the quarter million square, you know, quarter million square foot project to a million square foot project. Then you got the mass X guys that go million plus. Yeah. Like, I get million square foot bids sent to me daily because people see us on LinkedIn and stuff doing right. mass X work. And they're like, Oh, these guys must do huge projects. Pete will tell them on the phone when they call, they'll go, Hey man, we want you to bid this job. He'll go, how many grading plans are on it? And they go 10. He's like, I don't got time for it, man. He right. says, Unless it's three pages, <laughs> I can't get to it. Right. You know, because you know, you're competing then with up here for us, you're competing with RPMX, you're competing with Senecola, you're competing with all these guys that yeah. they have twenty five estimators in their office. So they can do those. Right. And also they're moving dirt for quarter of the price you can. Right. So it's I mean, I feel you on that. Yeah. It's 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 a tough I'm I'm in this weird spot where our overhead's low enough that we can still go out and do these bigger jobs, but we're not um we're not trying to chase the the big square jobs. Yet. Right. My goal is that. My goal is eventually all we're doing is industrial work uh -huh. and uh, municipality work. That is the goal. But that's in the next five years. That's not right right now. Well, and see, like, like talking to Devin, found out Devin's doing, you know, specialty X. And that's in San Antonio. That's very, very, very high margin, very demanding and, and very plentiful work. You know, um, the work that you're doing up here down there, there's a, there's a huge opportunity, you know? So I'm like, man, we should start looking at that, <laughs> you know, cause I'll come help a, you out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Give me some advice. Cause it, it, I mean, um, the it's, it's the, the specialty, the, yeah. the, we need this, who can do this work and get it done, you know, properly and ex and execute well at it. And so you get to charge for that too. And that's the thing that people, right. When you're starting out, when you're getting going, when you're rolling, you really want to try to find a niche. And the reason for that is like we were talking about in the last episode that you guys will hear today. I think it's launching. Yeah. Today. I'm just waiting on. We were talking about rates and uh, your overhead and figuring out your margins. And we were kind of explaining that when you're smaller and you're starting out, your percentage of margin is always going to be higher to, uh, compared to your, your bottom line, your top line numbers than a big, big contractor because they're spreading out their overhead over you know, 150, right. 200, 5,000 pieces versus us trying to do it on 10, you know, and our overhead is smaller as a total number than theirs, 
but it's spread out over a small amount of pieces. So right. finding that niche that you're going to get into right. allows you to command a bigger margin to help cover that overhead cost, especially when you're starting and like what you're doing, what I do, yeah. that that's the reason for it. You're probably in the hardest place to try to, uh, to try to do that. What mm-hmm. you, what you do because you're competing against the big guys in that yeah. area. So getting your margin in that space is a lot harder than when you're in something that's more specialized and right. less people doing it. Right. You know, but it really just comes down to, it's the economy of scale. And yeah. when you're small, you need to try to find something that you can charge a little bit more right. to do to help with that overhead cost. Right. Well, the thing is too, I've done the specialty work too. Um, I enjoy it. My guys hate it. Oh yeah. Because it's just, it's, they want to go out in an open field and they want to go do mass X because to them it's easy. Yep. It's a big square, cut it out, haul it off, moisture condition it, put some select on it, roll it in, leave. Right. You know? And, and when I go, Hey guys, we're going to demo out a parking lot. Then we're going to put six inches of flex space down. Then we're going to demo out a basketball court. Then we're going to demo out the, when I start telling them that they all go, really? (laughs) That's the job we got this week. Yeah. We just came off a warehouse pad. Uh, I know you guys want to sit at the house. You want some keep busy work. It's your choice. So they'll do it and they do a good job of it, but they, they bitch the whole time, yeah. you know, because they're operators, and we all know operators. They're yeah. Casanovas. I love them, but they are. They're <laughs> Casanovas. And, and I'm one of them. I grew up that way. You you did, too. You did, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, and there's I think there's value added there. But I, I look at it this way. If I can do a $500,000 demo pad, new parking lot, some renovation work, some little pads here and there, at a high margin yeah. or I can go do a 500,000 square foot greenfield mass X, cut it out and put base on it for the same, but I'm competing against 15 other site contractors that are the best in San Antonio. Mm-hmm. There's, I'm, there's no, there's no money there. No, there's no money there. And there's no, you know, there's, it's just, it's not, it's not feasible. And that's why we got into ISD work. Right. Because there's not a lot of guys that have a good safety rating. And if your right. safety's crap, they won't give you a job, man. Right. And <clears throat> we worked so hard when we were new. You know, we'd be on jobs. I'm sure you guys know this. You've been on jobs, and I see you're great about it. And I don't know about you yet. I'm going to start following you, believe me. Um, <laughs> but we'd be the only guys on site that had PPE on. Right. You'd go out there on these other trades. The utility guys are in a trench, no safety vest on, no hard hat, nothing. They're just putting pipe in the ground wearing T-shirts. I'm like. All right, man. Your funeral. You know, they're in ball caps putting pipe in the ground or concrete guys not wearing anything. They're forming up, pouring concrete. And that was when we were working small contractors. And the GC wouldn't even have any safety gear on. They might wear a hard hat. Right. You know, and luckily our guys were always doing that. And we built that from the start. And that's because I came from the big companies like you and like you, you know, where that was the culture. Right. You wear your crap no matter what you're doing. And that paid off. And we kept our EMR rating really freaking low. And we were able to get in on these better jobs now because of it. Right. And so now we're not competing with 15 other contractors. We're mm-hmm. competing with three. Right. That that we've gone into that, especially of schoolwork. Yes, you get paid a little slower. <laughs> but you're getting paid. I think, too, like we talk about, we talk about a slowdown. What what I see, what I what I'm seeing in the market, and what's seeing in San Antonio is people are looking for best value. Mm-hmm. Like always, like always. yes, 
Yes, low bid is still king, unfortunately. Yeah. But I do see, and I'm betting on, I'm betting the whole farm that people will go best value mm -hmm. because we may not be the cheapest, but I promise that we'll put out the best product. Right. And so having, having that, like going, going forward, I see that companies that don't have those standards, other, other trades, you start to see them falling off. You know, um, when I was first starting our first few commercial projects, we saw a lot of site contractors going down, unfortunately. And so it, you're starting to see a weed out process in the market naturally. And, and for GCs too, you know, there's GCs that are going down right now, mm -hmm. unfortunately developers. And so I think that, I think best value, high performance is still going to be, it's, it's still going to be king at the end of the day. It always wins overall in the long run. It always long, wins. long run. And that's what we're betting on. We may, it may not take us, it may take us longer to get to, you know, doing 15, $25 million in revenue a year. But if we can do, if we can do 10 and it's right and our customers are happy and they made money on it, take that then, all day. Then at the end of the day, I'm, I'm betting that it'll come back to us. I'd rather make 10 million with a good profit than make 20 million. And I have no money left at the end of the year. Right. I mean, that's how I feel about it. And I agree. It, it's, you know, I mean, you know, we're doing the work we're doing and, we did 5 million last year and everybody's like, you only did 5 million. It's like, yeah, we didn't do a lot of projects last year. We were on long projects, but we didn't do a lot of them. Right. We did maybe 30 projects last year and we did jobs from $40,000 all the way up to $800,000. So, I mean, it just depends on what you're doing and you got to think everybody thinks, Oh, you're doing all these huge projects. We're not building that whole amount of that job in three months. An eight hundred thousand dollar project, you might build that out over four to five months. It's not all, you know, in two months you're building all that. I wish. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's some jobs out there that are like that where they got the schedule that tight where you need to throw that much iron on it. But I mean, most of them they want you, you know, they want you to come back three freaking times for everything, anyways. Right. And nobody. When I first started in this industry, you didn't come back three times or four times. It was twice. You came, you did your mass work. Uh, normally, the utility guy put it back to grade. <laughs> that was like the whole point of that. And what they did was they'd set the forms, and we would come in, and we would double check. We would double clean up anything, but we'd put our backfill in behind the, the forms. Right. They'd let you do that back then. So when they poured... All the concrete guy would do is take a rake or they bring their skid steer and just smooth it out behind the curb. Cause that was their responsibility their curb. So they put it in and we never came back after that. So now it's this whole, well, now you come back and backfill curbs after all the concrete's in. Why? Why don't you just have a concrete guy do it? He's already out there with the skid steer. Some of them are starting to do it, but it's just, it's a little crap like that, but that ties up a guy. Right. Now your foreman's got to go by there, check that job every day. So that's one machine and one operator that are tied up doing what three grand worth of work when you need that skid steer to go make you 15 grand a day doing something else down the road on a big job. Where yeah. are you getting 15 grand yeah. a day on a skid steer? Sign yeah. me up. I'm buying six you tomorrow. Know, Let's go. You know what I mean? You, know, you, you guys know what I'm saying though. Yeah, I mean, no, you're definitely. getting 50 more or less. You're getting 15 grand a week for that skid steer doing something else. Yeah. I, I understand where you're coming from, you're right. but I've, I get calls to backfill curbs every day yeah. and we love it. <laughs> you know, we, we <laughs> go and do it. If you're coming in behind somebody else to right. do it, absolutely. Right. Yeah. Cause you can rape them. 
Well, but we, so, you know, we, we include it. We say, Hey, you know, we've got our, we've got our initial mode. We'll do what, you know, our first, first round, put the pad in, do that. Um, we'll come back and we'll put, we'll do, you know, landscape grade after utilities, after curve, we'll put, we'll put it, we put everything to grade. Yeah. I mean, every, every, we do as, obviously we do as much as we can the first round. Exactly. Um, but what I've noticed and I, and we've won work because of it. Because right. they know, hey, these guys will come back and backfill. These guys will come back and put things to to, to grade after after you know utilities, and everybody else goes through and destroys the site and not bitch about it. And it and it's helped us. It's it really has. It's helped us. Well, if they know you're coming back and they don't have to chase you for it, rather than getting that trying to chase somebody to come back, right. it's delaying their schedule. It's holding things up. Yeah, that's valuable. That's, that's it, huge it, value. it is. And and yeah. and you, but you're right, Brandon. It's a, it's a skid steer. You put a two ninety nine on a job with a guy for. For a week, I mean that's it. That's that's money. That's yeah. that's you know three, four, five thousand dollars. You might get back what you what you you might get back what you put into it. Exactly. Like you're not you're not making any money. No, you're not making any money, but you're adding value. And the customer says those guys come back because every other site guy isn't coming back. And so it's 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 that line. It's that line of of how much value do we want to try to provide to to these to these customers and if they're and most of them are grateful for it well it's huge and that's the thing you always got to look at trying to find ways to add value because coming back to your pricing right you may not be the cheapest but if the gc knows that you're going to come back and do that he's going to be more inclined to pay the three four five percent more right. to have you do it than to take the low bid and then have to chase that guy and screw up his whole schedule on the backside. Right. so that comes with building a reputation building a brand and and it's all rolled into that, but it's huge. All of us look to provide yeah. value somehow, even if it's something as simple as that, throwing a skid and backfilling curves. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it, it really is. I mean, I'm not one to say that I don't do it, but I do it. But, you know, I grumble when I do it. But um, <laughs> we, we all do, man. Uh, <laughs> we all do. I, I do too. And I'm uh, like, we already put this to grade. Oh, well, the utility got left at a foot high. It's like, I'd never do that. <laughs> You're a better man than me, buddy. I'm gonna tell you because I, 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 my guys will go out there and kick, kick the dirt off till they find a feather and go. That's funny because I put that feather in. Yeah, and then I get paid for it. But that's also, I've also been working for these guys for five years. I can kind of pull that right. Shit. I can pull right. that shit. But um, I'm not. Hey, if you're listening, you didn't hear that. But uh, <laughs> you know. Like you said, though, because I did eat crow, though, those first two years, I was like, oh, yeah, we'll fix it. No problem. Right. And under my breath, I'm going, I'm going to lose so much fucking money. <laughs> you know, but it, my first two years, dude, I'm sure it was the same with y'all, too. I mean, I broke even most of the time. I, I didn't lose, but I was breaking even my first year, two years. And about that third year is when I really started making money. But it was like it was learning these lessons that we're talking about. It was, right. oh, the utility guy left it a foot high. Oh, you got more dirt to haul. <laughs> That's funny because I hauled all my dirt off already. So here's the topo that I left. My guy shot right when we left. When your superintendent walked the job with us and verified all our grades. That's cool. Here's your nice little change order to fix all this. And, and if you read your contract right, they got nothing to argue with you about. So it's, you know, I don't know about how you're doing your contracts yet, but I sent mine back, and you and me talked about it. You said you do the same thing. I sent it back. It looks like Swiss cheese, dude. It's got more red in it than black half the time. So, do yeah. you, you go to yours? We, we, we mark up a few things, but for the most part, the relationships that we have with our GCs, um, 
we, we haven't had to go back to the contract. It's, yeah. it's something that gets signed. It gets put in a desk. We go and do our work and, and you know, we don't want it to come out. Yeah. That that's, you that, know, that's really good, man. Like that, <laughs> uh, I can also say this. You're the first guy I've ever had on the show that said that. I think, I think that it is. That's awesome though. The, I mean, the, more power to you. Well, I mean, obviously we're still, we're young in the game. You yeah. know, I'm not going to say, oh yeah, we're never, ever, ever going to get burned. Of course. Uh, yeah. But the thing is, is that if you, if we walk on a job site and the GC asks us to do something and the first thing we say, that's not my contract. I want to, I want to change order. Then you set the tone from the very beginning that this is going to be, that you're going to be a pain in the ass sub. And the last thing that this guy wants to deal with is a pain in the ass sub. Right. You know, I've had, when I was a superintendent at the GC, we, we, we have our internal plan of how we want to build a job, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm going to put my trailer here all my job entrance here, you know, Hey Brandon, I want you to start in this corner right here. And you're like, no, I'm starting over here. Cause that's where my biggest cut is. And then we have a big fight, you know, but it's, but what I've learned is, is that if we, if we have a plan as a sub, you know, I have my internal plan with my guys. I'm like, Hey, we're starting this job on Monday. Like, let's go out there, uh, set up our GPS and, and let's have our plan. And then let's go hear their plan. You know, GC says, Hey, we want you to start over here. And it's like, Oh, well that's stupid. There's no fill there. But it's like, Oh wait, there's a long lead generator that goes here that we need a pad for first. That's critical path. Right. Oh, well that makes sense. You know, but being able to communicate with these guys and being able to show that, Hey, I'm on y'all's team. Like we're on the same team because I want, we, we as subcontractors want them to win as bad as we want to win. Well, if they ain't making money, you ain't making money. That's what it comes down to. Yeah. And then it's a fight, you know, let, let them fight with the steel guy and the concrete guy. Let them have (laughs) no problems with dirt and utilities, you know, let them, let them start the job off. No problems. And that's the key, though, is you're you're working for the right people, man. That's awesome because n- not all of us, when we start, get to work for the right people. Um, especially up here, we're saturated, so you got to go eat some crow for a while. You got to go work for some dirtbag contractors. So unfortunately, you get so used to working for those kind of guys that you have to put all those positions in place, even when you're working for the good people. Right. But most of them understand it. If you talk to an average GC and they go, "Man, I see you." won a lot of contract corrections and they go you've been burned a bunch haven't you and you're like yeah i have yeah and so most of them don't hold it against me they understand it they go okay this guy and then they see our but then they see our work right okay these guys are legit yep and we don't go we don't do a change order on everything mm-hmm. i i have a limit with my guys i say if it's under a thousand bucks just do it you know what i mean if it's four hours of shit just do it you know what i mean bite your tongue just do the work now, if you ask me to move a pile of dirt that's twelve thousand yards from one side of the job to the other, you're paying for that. I'm sorry. Right. I don't care who, right. how nice you are, <laughs> well, and it's, how it's great that steak lunch you took me out for was. <laughs> I don't care. You're paying for that one. Right. So, and there's a line. Yeah, there's there, always a line. But you got to set that. Like you were talking about, you know, you, you know, you don't want to be the sub that comes on the job and becomes a problem child, but you also don't want to be the sub that comes on the job and gets pushed around either. Exactly. You got to find that fine exactly. line. Exactly, and that's and that's with. That's with going back to there's so much there's a lot of work out there. Yep. There's a lot of work out there, and for like for example, for us, we're we're in a specialty market, right? And there's there's not a ton of GCs going after what the work right. that we're doing, and so the ones 
that we do go after, we're really able to, to sit down and talk to them and say, Hey, let's plan this job together. So right. it works for both of us. Yeah. We do, we do that with ours. Um, especially the big five we work for. We got five that we worked for for years and half the time I go to their office, we sit down and, or they come to ours or we sit on the job and do it. Um, but getting in front of a lot of things is the key. The other thing too, though, is when you do have a great bust, I always send an email. As soon as I get my survey report back from my guys that I use, they'll actually do it for me. They'll do a red and blue. They'll tell me if we got any excess material. And I'll call them up, and I'm like, hey, man, just wanted to give you a heads up. I'm not going to send it in an email. I'm not going to be that guy. Just send you an email. With, Here's the price change. No, right. I'm not that guy. I'm going to call you. What do you want to do? Do you guys want to do a design change? Do you guys want to do a field change? Do you guys want to do an RFI? What do you guys want to do? 99% of the time, they go, wow. So how bad is it? I'm like, well, it's about 8,000 yards. That's bank yards, though. Right. So we're looking at about 12 in trucking? Yeah, pretty much just send me the cost man i'll throw it on your contract half the time i just get my contract reissued new price because they had that contingency money right so yeah am i taking a little bit of money off their plate yeah but am i not making them a headache with the owner and them going oh we got half the job done and this guy's saying there's more dirt out here than what there was supposed to be because you look like an idiot when you do that right when you you got a pile you you say you're going to haul off this much dirt you get it hauled off and you still got a pile sitting over there and you go (laughs) You're supposed to be the expert. Why the hell well, didn't you why tell me? I, why, what do you mean you didn't haul, you hauled all your dirt off? Dude, you still got dirt over there. No, no, man. I'm telling you, I hauled what I bid. Like, And it just saves that whole conversation. Because if you come up front and go, hey, man, I don't mean to bother you about this, but we have a great bust on your job. What do you want to do? And you look like, like you said, being a partner. Right. You're not, you're not just like, hey, this is going to cost us. You go, we got options. We can do an RFI, find out what they want to do. Do you want to stockpile it on site? Is there is this owner got another job that he might want to stockpile it for now and put it on his other lot in a year or two? Right. You know, is he on the lot next door? We can put the dirt over there. I mean, you know, I try. I always try to come up with ideas. For, bring bring solutions, not yeah, just yeah, problems. Just bring, yeah, just bring a solution. But ninety nine percent of the time, they just say haul it off. Or if we need to import more dirt than we're supposed to. Bring it in. Just do what you got to do to get the job done. But it makes you look like, hey, this guy knows what he's talking about. He's not here to just nickel and dime us, you know. Right. Now, we got on a job the other day that they said there was no rock. My guys start pulling boulders out the size of pickup trucks. The guy's like, you got me on that, right? I'm like, Did you, I, I'm not one to pull, say look at your contract, but you might want to look at the contract right. on this one. He's like, oh, you don't got a, you got a rock clause, don't you? Yeah, been doing this more than a day, buddy. I mean, but you know they're going to charge me four hundred dollars a load just to haul this rock off. I mean, these things are huge. I can put right. one in per truck. They're huge, dude. <laughs> yeah. They're going to stick up like three foot above the trailer. So it's just, it's the thing is you got it like you were talking about. You got you got to protect yourself, but you got to be fair too. Like, and at the end of the day, I, everybody's. Everybody's got to make money. If the GC is not making money, they're not going to keep working. If you're not making money, you can't pay your guys. Right. You're not going to have a business. And something, an old estimator that I used to know at RPMX said this to me one time. It's .com, not .org. <laughs> <laughs> <coughs> at the end of the day, you got to make a living. Right. 
you know, you want to buy new equipment, you got to make money. Right. You want to buy dump trucks, you got to make money. You want to have employees, you got to make money. So, you know, um, what are what are you thinking the newest generation of operators? What is something that you want to see in the next five years with, with the equipment happen for making it easier for these guys? I think the equipment's pretty damn good. It's getting amazing. I got I got a next gen three thirty six the other day. That was pretty badass. <laughs> and we got a we got a nine twenty six loader from Cat. It's a nineteen oh, nice. or RP, RPO machine. Awesome. And we have a kid nineteen years old. Um, never never been on a job site. This is his first job. Um, you know he's he's been in the skid steer, been running the roller, labor, shoot, helping shoot grade. And so he said, Hey, you know, that loader's yours. You know, we'll teach you how to run it. That's your that's your loader. You clean it, you oil it, you grease it, everything. And first thing I get I get to the job site, open the door, I say, Hey man, how do you like your loader? He's like, Man, this thing bumps. The system's good in it. <laughs> I was like, I was like, Oh, okay. So I'm paying, you know, 150 grand for the sound system. <laughs> yeah, for the sound system and the loader. But I love it. I love it. I think I think the equipment's great. And I think I think the next generation of operators is damn good. I yeah. think that there's a lot of hope. Um, I think the biggest issue with these kids now, outside of all the social political bullshit that they're dealing with, mm-hmm. is that they need to be shown how fruitful this industry can be. Mm-hmm. And I think it's going to take like guys like y'all and doing these shows and social media and the internet to show them that guys you can make a shitload of money operating equipment. Mm-hmm. You know, you can make six figures. Easy, you're going to, you're going to be easy. gone. You're going to work a lot. Yeah. It's going to be long hours. You're going to have to commit to it, but you can make a lot of money. You're going to meet, yeah. meet some of the best people you ever meet in your life too. Of, of course. I mean, I wouldn't have met him without construction. I wouldn't have met half. She can tell you, I wouldn't have met half my friends. I mean, yeah. no, I, I love it. Most it's, of the guys I talk to on the phone at night are construction guys. Oh you yeah. Know? Or, you know, it's, it's a great space. It's a great job. And I mean, at the end of the day, the one thing that always has rung in my head was hard work will make you happy. Right. You know, and some people like sitting in an office, staring at a computer screen and stuff. I know oh. myself personally, I want to blow my brains out every time I get stuck right. in the office. I spent the whole day in the office today and it was like 4.30 and I go outside and guys are greasing trailers and changing brakes and washing some stuff. And then I had a couple guys on site and I'm like, man, like I would just rather be out here working all day right. than sitting here at a computer. But there's a, there's a whole generation of kids coming up that have grown up with technology you know and they're constantly getting getting blown at like you know oh go be an instagram influencer or amazon stores and do everything online on the internet but i don't think i think a lot of people are not really getting exposed to i don't want to say manual labor in a sense because running a piece of equipment is not necessarily manual labor but they're not getting exposed to how good it feels to go and jump in a machine and cut a swale or dig a ditch or grade a lot and look at it when you're done and be like, man, that looks good. You know, there's a, there's a certain value that you can attribute to that of actually going out and working and doing something. And at the end of the day, being able to look back and see exactly what you did, it's a sense of pride. Right. And at the end of the day, that, that hard work will make you more happy than just the easy money. And that's the thing that a lot of people don't necessarily see, I think. And it's a matter of teaching the next generation that you yeah. can make a damn good money at it, but B you can go up and do work every day and see what you've accomplished right, right. in front of your eyes. And to right. me, I think that's, that's huge. 
but it's getting that message out there and getting them in. Because like you said, you take a 21 year old kid and you put them in a machine, they pick that up so quick. Oh yeah. And then they're good. You know, I have a 21 year old operator right now. The kid's a little wizard, you know, like it's like, it's awesome. It's great to see them doing it. But the, the thing with the, with the, with the, you know, 19, 20 year old, 20, early twenties kids is that if they don't see progress, if they don't see momentum forward, then they, they shut down, mm-hmm. they leave. And mm-hmm. and they also, what I've noticed too, is that when a prop, when they face a problem on the job or a problem with, with something that they're doing, it's immediately, they shut down Yeah, mm-hmm. and they, in the, you can't go and yell at, at these guys. No. <laughs> when, when I got in, when I got into construction, um, as an intern, uh, working for a big GC. I didn't know anything about, constru- I, I didn't know anything about building a job. I knew how to use my tools. I knew how to, you know, I knew what was going on, but I didn't know, I didn't really know how a building or how a project got built. And so, you know, you walk on these jobs in the, you know, 2009, 2010 era and, you know, everyone's yelling at each other. Everyone's old, everyone's <laughs> mad, everyone's angry. You know, everyone's talking about going home and drinking beer. I'm going to fucking drag yeah, up. <laughs> and everyone's pissed off all the time. And I'm like, the excavator you know operator's got a case of beer hidden in his cooler. He's sipping on them with his styrofoam cup. Right. But it's <laughs> like, those days. but it's like, why are, why are these guys like this? Like, why did, why is everyone so angry? It's the culture. It's the old culture. It's a, exactly. And so, you stick a 21 year old kid now on a crew like that, they don't make it. No, they, they leave and then they go work somewhere else. Yep. I had to, I had to literally, I I think I told you to, you might've heard this on another episode, but I literally have a crew of all old guys and I have a crew of all young guys. Yeah. Cause if they work together, they, Oh my God, it's terrible. They're they're calling me all in. Oh, they son of a bitch. Right. And, so. they, and they don't know and oh he sucks and it's not that they don't suck or they or they don't know it's that they haven't had the experience yet yeah. yeah and so with these kids now we just have to we have to provide an environment for them that hey you have a purpose and that's your machine and you're gonna run it and take care of it and we will teach you everything that you need to know about it and then as soon as soon as you get any more responsibility and take on more responsibility, we bump you up and we pay you. Yep. Yeah. Oh yeah. We pay. Yep. I paid. A, I gave a guy a raise the other day because he answered his phone. That's he he called. I called the job and he picked. And he was the only one that would pick up. I said, "You're getting a raise for picking up your phone." I was pissed, but I still <laughs> still gave it to him. Hey Joe, can I come work for you? Come on, come on. <laughs> I'll answer your phone for you all day, bro. But but that's the thing is that we have to provide an environment for these kids to thrive. Yeah, it's true. You, know? right? you put a kid on an eight fifty. He's going to have a blast. Yeah. You know, you put a kid doing what you guys are doing, you know, you put him in a new 325. I'd love to run a new 325. <laughs> That'd be badass. Yeah, so would I. Yeah. But what I'm saying is that we have to, we've got to encourage, we've got to train. They want to be trained. They want to be taught. They, they want, want to learn. They want to learn. They're hungry to learn. They are very them. hungry to learn. But as soon as you, if you keep kicking them in the balls every day, they're not going to come back. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's not coddling. I mean, it, to us, it may seem like coddling sometimes, but it's it's creating the right environment exactly. to let them learn. And it's just realizing that kids in this generation learns differently than we did. We were used to getting yelled at and having shit thrown at us, and you know that's what it was. We came right. up with that. But things are changing, and times are changing, and, and the learning style and environment has changed, and it's a matter of adapting to that. I mean, we can fight it all you want, but sooner or later, it's going to bite you in the ass. So right. you might as well just 
learn it, embrace it and, and make it possible to do that. But I, at the end of the day, it's, I've always done this and I'd hire on attitude, not on skill. Exactly. You can teach skills. I can teach it. It may take a bit of time, but I can teach skills. I just can't, it's easier to teach skills than it is to change attitude. And that's, it's really what it comes down to. So I actually, Robert and me were talking on the phone today and, uh, Robert's my superintendent and, uh, I talk to him every day and he said, you know, it's the only company I ever worked at where we're a family because we're real tight knit. You know, the guys I've had, I've had them a long time. We're real tight knit. Everybody knows everybody. Everybody knows everybody what's going on in everybody's life. It's just how we are. It's not like drama or anything. It's just, you know, we care about each other. Right. And, um, you know, like my mom was in the hospital. Every operator called me and said, hey, boss, you need anything, call me. Like, that's just my guys. My guys are solid. They support me with this. Like, they all subscribe to it. They listen to it. You know, it's awesome, you know. But we brought in a couple new guys a couple of months ago. And it's cool because your own guys will tell you people that are taking advantage of you. You know, they'll be like, hey, man, um, I know I know, I really shouldn't do this and breaking the code in the field, but a guy's not clocking out on lunch. This guy's, you know, taking two-hour lunches. You know, he's showing up late, stuff like that. And they're telling you, you know, because they go, they're affecting my paycheck. They're affecting this company because they care about the company. Right. And that's the guys you want. You want guys that care. If you got guys that care, man, that's, that's the guys you do reward, like you just talked about, giving that kid a raise. Yeah. Because he cares. He sees his boss is calling. He's going to answer the phone. That's the biggest thing that you need in any industry, man, is just people that care. But you have to build that culture. You have to treat them. You have to reward them for that. Don't be scared to reward them. Don't be scared to. Listen, I just did this. Two of my guys, my foremans, I went out and ordered trucks for them. Two brand new fully loaded Laramis. I didn't need to go and get fully loaded truck for a work truck. Right. You're going to beat the thing up, throw shit in the box. What's it cost me as an owner a month to buy that versus a plain Jane work truck? A couple hundred bucks. What's it mean to them to get to drive around in a cool, nice new yep. truck that's fully decked out? It's the little things like that that go a long way, you know, and that you have to be conscious of that as an owner and as a business operator. Don't be scared to reward hard work. Don't be scared to reward loyalty and don't be scared to reward the guys that look out for you you know and that's the thing that i think a lot of older companies didn't really see value in that and Mm -hmm. that's where that's where we can shine you know and that's where you can separate yourselves apart from the big companies the old companies take care of your guys you know do the little shit no that's that's 100 percent it i mean if if we we've had some guys that have come in and you know right away if they're bringing the morale down and if they do we cut it out right away it's not you can't because if we if we go through a period of time where not everybody's rowing the boat the same direction, we're gonna go backwards. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. you're gonna sink real quick. Yes, and, and then so, you're gonna have the good guys start quitting. Yes, you? and that's and we don't want that. We want we want we've had guys that have been with us from day one. Mm-hmm. We've had we've had new guys, and um, but but it's like you said, we got to reward them. We got to take care of them. We got to show them that there's hope. That yes, you're working for a small private company. But you there's can room whatever, to grow. We can be whatever you want. You take them to the moon with you. As that's my it. mom would say, you yeah. know, we're going to go to the moon and we're going to take you with us. And yeah. if you do that for him, man, that's the guys that you see in 25 years that he's the superintendent on the job. And the guy's like, well, how come you're so prideful about this company? Well, I started as a laborer here, dude. Right. I'm a general superintendent. I've been here for 25 years. And you go to the old companies, you'd see that. 
you know, because at the time they were doing that. Then they got big and they got everybody's a number. Right. And they forgot. Yeah. They got their main guys. They got their supers and their project managers that they're like that. They take care of like that. But the operators to them, they're cannon fodder. I, I don't know what it's like down here or what it was like down here. I know up north when I was working in, in the field, I think that was that transition period in the nine, late 90s, 2000s, that kind of area where companies stopped caring about lifetime employees and they started yeah. caring more about just getting the job done right. and whatever. And and when I was working in it, guys would you know work for a comp- different company every six months to a year. They just keep jumping jobs, jumping jobs, jumping jobs. The generation before that worked at the same place for 30 years. I think we need to get back to having employees and the goal to be they start their career here and they end their career here you know because at the end of the day if you've got a guy that you just put 30 years of experience into what's that guy worth in 30 years you know what what kind of value is he going to provide to that company and you need to look at the big picture and find ways to make guys want to stay you know treat them that good you need to get back to the old ways like you just talked about something that most companies don't do anymore every company i worked at early 2000s they gave you a raise every year Every year you service, you were at that company. You might have not got a lot, but if you're if you're if you proved through that year that your valuation was good enough, they'd give you a substantial raise. It might be twenty percent. You know, if you're just the you just did average, it might give you five percent. You know, if you did oh, whatever, we'll give you two and a half. You know, it might be a quarter, but every year they gave you a raise. So there was incentives back then. Now, I mean, I worked at one company. I worked there like two years. I didn't get one raise. And I was out working everybody, right. but it was because it was clickish, and I wasn't in the little click. But I worked harder than everybody else there. Never made trouble. They just didn't give me a raise. So I, I asked my former one day. I says, "Hey, uh, am I doing something wrong?" And he's like, "No, you're not doing anything wrong." I said, uh, "I'm not one to ever ask for a raise, but you know, can I get a raise?" Well, yeah. Why didn't you ask before? And I was like, "Because you don't ask for raises; you earn them." Yeah. And he was shocked when I said that. He says, well, everybody else here just comes up to my truck and asks for one, and I give it to him. I'm like, I've never worked at a company like that before. But that's when I realized that this was. It's a culture problem. It was it was yeah. changing, that they were so used to guys doing that, that they just made that their system of, hey, don't pay any more of this guy unless he asks for it. I I agree. I agree with that. And the, But I also, I also I agree and disagree. Because, like, for me, as an owner – and me as somebody that's trying to provide the best employment opportunity possible for our guys, um, I approach it more of a, hey, this is a value exchange, okay? You add value, I add money. Mm-hmm. You add you add more skills. I have one guy that he he is, you, put, you can put him in a 6T and he'll cut and push all day forever. No problem, Gr- fantastic. But is this person going to run a job for us one day? Right. Is this person going to be the superintendent? Is this person going to be vice president of operations? Is this guy going to want to make a transition to the office? And it's like, no. It's like, okay, well, then there's a limit. And But then we have other guys, we, you know, we have other guys, and, and we're seeking talent that wants to move up. They want to better themselves. They want to they continue to grow. Like, we... We want guys, obviously we want guys that'll do a job and do a job, no problem. But we want guys that want to, that want to help themselves, that want to add value, that want to make more money. Because if they want to make more money, eventually we'll all make more money. All of us. If, every, all of us if everybody on the team is hungry to get better in advance, I would love to have, 
uh, you know, f- the entire team say, Hey, I want to be the foreman on the next job. It's like, okay, well shit, we better go get a lot of jobs, <laughs> you know, cause we're going to, cause we have all these guys that want to step up into leadership positions, but it's, how do you separate, how do you, how do you find those guys? How do you retain those guys? And then how do we find more guys to backfill behind them that want that, that want to grow? I think that's culture, man. And like, honestly, yeah. I actually was, uh, what well, you were probably on that call too, that I already call Andy yeah. was talking about how they push raises. You know, you come in, here's a list of books. I want you to read these books, you read these books, you get a raise, you know, and we're in the dirt world reading books. Okay, cool. But how do you learn? You know, you don't necessarily need to learn and grow as an operator to run a job. You got to learn and grow in your people skills and management skills. Exactly. You don't necessarily learn that sitting at a, at a set of controls. You got to learn that elsewhere. So maybe as owners, we need to start pushing that, you know, outside learning, reading books, right. going and taking courses. You know, if you want to get into utility work, well, I have one guy who we got certified for Fireline. I went and asked him, like, hey, man, we want to get into Fireline work. I need to have an RME on payroll. Someone's got to go take this course and write these tests to be certified. Do you want to do it? Yeah. Yeah. I think I can do that. Cool, man. You go do that. You get licensed. You get certified. I'll pay you more. There you go. Done. Awesome. You know, but it, you, you provide the path, open the door for them, you know, open the door and give them the opportunity and let them walk through it. And if they walk through it, pay them, but, you know, yeah. and that's, that's something that it comes back to. We have to do that as owners. Sometimes you gotta, you kind of got to take them by the hand and lead them a little bit, show them the light and then let them make the choice if they want to walk through it or not. Right? Right. And that's, that's something that we have to do as owners. I think more than anything, you, you can build guys and some guys that never thought they would even progress to nothing with the right coaching and the right push and the right motivation, they will, you know, and that's, that's on us. I would say we're, we're all like people development companies that do construction for fun. Pretty much. It's how I look at it. I'm like, okay, we're, you know, we want to be a, we want all our guys to be studs. You know, we want, we want everyone to win. I want everybody on our team to win. You know, I want everybody to get a new platinum. I want everyone to get a badass house. I want everyone to get a boat, whatever they want. Yep. I want everybody on the team to get it. But to do that, we're gonna have to work really, really hard and be the best at what we do. Hundred percent. You know, and you gotta kick ass, man. That's what you gotta do. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta stay humble, man. I, I say it every episode. <laughs> it's so true, though. You gotta stay humble, man. You gotta, you gotta take care of your guys. If you gotta get out there with a broom and a shovel and help the guys clean up curbs, do it, man. Don't you ain't no better than anybody else, right. you know. And. You know, my guys drive newer trucks than I do. I got the oldest truck in the fleet. I don't care. <laughs> you know, I got to get new trucks this year. Speaking of, thanks. They're probably going to hear this now, so now I got to give them new trucks. <laughs> so, uh, hey, first new vehicle <clears throat> I ever bought in my life. I've always been cheap, so I always buy the you know the, the truck that's got thirty thousand kilometer, couple miles on it, used, get a good deal. Two first new vehicles I ever got in my life weren't even for me. Yeah. Is that, it's part of it's the game. Mile, it's miles per hour, you Democrat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get there I eventually. T- I, I'll took get that, there. I took that from, uh, what fucking movie was that? Uh, the Drilling Rig movie with uh, Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> the one about the rig that blew up in like 09. What was that movie? Oh. Uh, um, we just watched Deep it. Deepwater Horizon. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you yeah. remember that part where he's like saying Slumburger? It's really Slumberjay. Yeah. You know, yeah. He's like, it's Slumburger, you Democrat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm Dude. getting there. I'm getting there. I'm getting Americanized. All right. There you the go. temperature still screws me up. I just well, get fucked up just, the whole time. The summer's it's, gonna be brutal. Sure, it's sure. it's thirty degrees for me, not uh, not a sure not as, ninety or hundred. Sure as soon as the gun goes on the hip and American Eagles flying over your truck every day, bro, and you're eating bacon, you'll be golden. Yeah. <laughs> hey, um, real quick, uh, Joe, can you tell us the website for your company, bud? So it's I can uh, put Vill- it up on the screen for the show. Uh, VillarealCivilGroup.com. Um, we're on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook. And Hit them up, man. Check yeah, them out. Check follow them, out. them. If you're in the San Antonio, you guys go up to Austin too, right? Yes, sir. Okay, if you're in that San Antonio, Austin metro area, since now it's one big area, oh, yeah. there used to be nothing but between them. Now it's just grown to each other. So if you're ever in that area, guys, and need work, give them a call. Uh, I'll definitely, if I have anybody that's working down that way, I'll shoot them your way, man. I appreciate um, that. I have some great clients that work all over the place, so. I'll definitely send them your way. Um, Joe, we really appreciate you coming on the show, man. Thanks, man. Thanks for having uh, us. Next time you're in town, we'll have you back on. See how things are going. Yeah, no, for sure. I so you come up here. much or? Um, yeah, I mean, as, as as often as I can. Okay, so. for sure, dude. Let us know. Uh, hit Devin up and we'll have you back on, dude. For we'll sure. see how definitely. things are going. Yeah, um, I appreciate it. Thanks, guys, for uh, watching. Um, by the way, we got the Spotify uh give us our five stars uh we do have a patreon account so if you could check it out give us some support on that it helps us with the show uh so we can get guests like joe on um please like and subscribe and uh we got another episode coming out in two weeks um (laughs) we got the uh gentleman that runs the construction pot uh construction veteran podcast he's a navy vet he has his own podcast. He's going to come on the show. He's saying he's going to have us on his show, though, by the way. So we got to set a day up with him when he comes in and be on his show. Sounds like a blind to me. Um, it's really cool. He talks about, like, uh, military guys that are in the in the construction industry. So it's pretty cool. Um, so, guys, thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Uh, and we'll see you next time. Devin? Like, share, subscribe. Shout it out, guys. Let, uh, let's spread the message. Get some people watching. Yeah. Uh, Stay classy, everybody. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to the On Grade Podcast. If you're wanting to get into the business, grow your business, or learn more about the trades of construction, this is your hub. Brandon and Devin both own excavation companies in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. And on each show, you'll hear from the business owners and leaders that make the industry tick. We hope you've enjoyed the show. If you did, make sure to like, rate, and review. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, find us on Instagram at on underscore grade TX. On Facebook at On Grade Podcast. On YouTube at On Grade 5384. And find the show on Spotify and Apple. See you next time on the On Grade Podcast.